0: Enter the discount code NATION30, that's nation 3 for 30% off of your purchase. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Now... This episode um, was originally supposed to be a 15-minute segment that I was going to put in front of a completely different episode, but it went from 15 minutes to about 40 minutes. And it's very important that we listen to this podcast, reason being that the information that you will hear and the the conversation that you will hear is very important. And what I mean by that is, let's talk about what this podcast is. What is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast? Well, it's heavily focused on what I love, and that's big game hunting with archery equipment. Um, I talk a little bit about turkey, talk a little bit about the West, but mostly it is about whitetails. I, At this time in my life, I don't have a lot of interest in predator hunting. I don't have a a lot of interest in... um, using dogs to hunt. It's just, it's not my thing, right? And that's okay. With that said, right now in the United States, our predator hunting brothers, I guess, if if you're listening to this and you love to shoot coyotes or you love to use dogs to go on mountain lion or bear hunts, or, you know, if you like to just go on bear hunts, period, out West, throughout the country, right now there is legislation being introduced that is detrimental to the hunting rights of of these people Um, and i know a lot of you out there probably trap and coyote hunt and um you know do these things uh in the winter months or on the side after deer you know after deer season's over but if you're listening to this and you don't do any uh, anything I think that this is, that's the target audience for this episode because we have a group of people Now just imagine that you're passionate, you're very passionate about um, whitetail hunting and then some laws start showing up saying, well we don't we want to take away little bits of this. you can't use a bow or you can't use a gun or you can't you, you can't hunt in this area or you can't hunt in this area, okay? so slowly your rights are being taken away that is what's happening right now throughout the west in a variety of different states there's legislation that's being introduced that is trying to ban specific types of hunting so the the only guest that i wanted to have on the the show to talk about this with is another sportsman's nation um podcaster his name is chris powell he is the host of the uh houndsman xp podcast and with a name like that it's obviously revolves a lot around dogs and coon hunting but at the same time he's a predator hunter he likes to go out mountain lion hunting he likes to go out uh bear hunting and they use dogs and or sometimes they don't but i'm telling you right now um that way of life and there's people out there whose passions for their style of hunting is being threatened. And that's what this conversation is about. We talk about what's going on. We talk about anti-hunters. We talk about what our community can do uh, to take action. It's just a really good conversation. So um, I'm gonna keep the rest of this short. I am gonna just quickly go through and mention the partners here. Um, If you guys have some time, I would really appreciate it if you would go check out these brands. Hunt Stand, Novex Tree Stands, Wasp Archery, Uh, Ozonix, Vortex, Exodus, and Excalibur. Please go out and and, uh, check those brands out. But other than that, uh, let's get into today's episode. And then do me a favor, if you're listening to this and you know someone who might like to listen to this conversation, please pass it along. Just pass it along. Because I, I do feel that it is important that we support our brothers and sisters in Um, other niches of this this big hunting community that we live in. So without further ado, let's get uh, chatting with Chris Powell. Three, two, one. All right. On the podcast with me for this uh, introduction segment is Chris Powell. Now, Chris is the host of the Houndsman XP podcast here on the Sportsman's Nation Network. And if I was going to give him a title, I would be... (laughs) I'm trying to, I was trying to think, Chris, of what your title would be if I was to give you a title as far as you're, you're the host of the, the Houseman XP podcast, but you're also like the defender of the gate, you're the The defender of our rights, like some badass who stands there in the war movies and like just mows down the enemy. Jeez, Is that, does I that don't sound, know about that. <laughs> I,
1: that's, that's billing me pretty heavy there, Dan. I, I. I think it goes with the territory and uh you know I spent 28 years as a a conservation officer. Yep. And I always felt like that my main job there was I loved to hunt and fish my whole life. That's how I grew up. Yeah. And even though I had a job to do to regulate that the hunting and fishing activities, I really always felt like that I was there to protect that. Yeah. And w- when I was doing my job it was more from a a standpoint where um man, I love this so much. And I don't want to see you abuse it and be a knucklehead with the, the freedoms you've been given or represent me with your with through your slop sloppy honey. Yes. And that's how I looked at it.
0: Yeah. So before we get into this the main topic, yeah. You have dealt in the past, you know. I've seen it firsthand, and I've gotten some of the overflow from it. Um, we have a a group, and I don't want to get too deep into the weeds into into the the topic. Really, I just right. want to ask you this question: Like when I look at hunting, and I know how I feel about the animals and nature, I say I feel insulted when someone who doesn't know my way of life and doesn't know me says that hunters. Are bad for animals and when someone calls you a murderer or a killer or you know something like that how does that how does that make you feel when someone is saying that you don't love the animals that you're in a way protecting and at the same time you know we are killing these animals
1: i've i've tossed this very uh, topic around in my head to formulate an answer To be able to answer, you know, to be able to give a reply to that sort of a statement. Yeah. And the way I feel about it, I don't care how long the human race has been on the face of the earth. That's not important in this topic. Um, But we're not that far away where we have lost our primal instincts to be caretakers of the land, uh, where we want to be able to procure our own food. And be stewards of animals. You can see it with these women that have their fur babies. You can see it with the guy that takes immaculate care of his lawn. There's something primal that draws people to be there. When it comes to hunting and procuring our own food, then I look at that as the ultimate commitment to caring for wildlife and caring for animals. And that may sound strange because we're, you know, I'm killing them and I'm, and I'm eating them. Yeah. But I'll tell you where it takes me. It takes me to a level of understanding that someone who has never taken that responsibility for themselves and their own survival to a level that somebody who has never done it cannot relate to. Yeah. They, they don't understand what that really is. And I respect those animals at a level that someone that's never engaged in hunting will never understand. So that's how I answer that question.
0: Yeah. Do you think there is a way for people like us and let's just, let's just break it down to us versus them, right? Mm -hmm. Is there, is there a way that people like us can not only communicate with them, but also coexist with them?
1: I think we're going to have to learn how to coexist. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's that we don't have a choice in that. We're either going to have to be learned to, to coexist in this environment or we're going to become extinct ourselves. Yeah. Uh, and the most effective way that I've found, it, it doesn't surprise me what animal rights groups do does not surprise me. Um uh, yeah the emotionally charged person who makes emotional decisions seems to be the order of the day on, on a variety of topics. So none of it surprises me. Right. Um, the thing that, that disappoints me the most is, uh, the apathy from the hunting community, uh, that, that seems to think that things going on do not affect them. Yeah. And, and I think the place we get the most traction is in that segment of our culture our community that does not hunt. I don't care. I've got an aunt. You know, she she follows what I do, she supports what I do, she likes all my social media posts. She's never hunted a thing in her life. Right. So I don't want her voting against me in the at the ballot box, in the yeah. ballot box. So that's that's where I think we're going to get the most traction is not misrepresenting ourselves or in a way that's going to be harmful to us, to the non hunting public. And there's people get anti hunting and non hunting confused. Non hunting yeah. people are just people that don't hunt. Anti hunting yeah. people are the ones that want us to stop hunting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this when it comes to, you know, them, right. The, the anti hunters and, and how they act and how they organize and things like that verse, you know, and, and we look at that opposite side and we say, man, those people are crazy. You know, they're nuts. They're bananas. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the same time we have that far side and then we have our, our far side, right. Who are the people. And I, dude, I feel like sometimes, especially when I feel under attack, or threatened um, because I have I don't know whether I'm communicating with someone or someone just uh, says a straight up ignorant comment to me I feel I feel like I want to say certain things back to them like I don't give a shit <laughs> you know like I don't give a shit what you think if I want to go out shoot a deer and butcher him and eat him and hang his head on my wall I'm gonna do it don't care what you think is is there a positive or a negative side in in your mind when you have the representation from the the far end of one um uh, opinion and the far end of the other opinion being the loudest and clashing how's that make like our side of the aisle look when we have someone that instead of you know taking a um What's the word I'm looking for? Taking a a more subtle approach to it, and just you know, Mm -hmm. giving them the finger and saying, "I don't give a shit what you think. I'm going to go do what I do."
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I transferred an old saying over to dealing with the anti hunter. Arguing with an anti hunter is like wrestling with a pig. You're both going to get muddy, and the pig's going to like it. And (laughs) yeah. So when when we get down in the mud with these people they are masters they're spin gollies they are masters of spinning i mean yeah I've, I've i've seen it
0: man it's crazy Yeah,
1: i've tried to engage in the past and and it came back to bite me and i'm I'm talking, I formulated that opinion after I had to learn the hard way. And we learn when we make mistakes. Right. When we're doing everything right, we don't, we don't learn a lot. Right. But when we make mistakes, if we, if we can learn. And so I would respond on social media or, or whatever, and they would take, take what I said and report it. And then I'm banned for 24 hours. I'm in Facebook yeah. jail for 24 hours. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, what good did that do? So now my rule is don't engage. Just yeah. don't engage. You're not going to change their mind, but you sure as heck don't want that the the spectator, the person that is going to support you or not support you, right. the person that that's going to vote. You don't want them voting against you, and that right. that's just how I take 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 that approach anymore.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean,
1: I even dismiss them when when I'm in a meeting with those people. I I dismiss them. And it's, it's hard for me because I am not a guy, I'm not a passive aggressive guy. I'm default aggressive. Yeah. (laughs) And, and when, and when you are faced with that, uh, man, we, we've got to dial that in and recognize that we aren't just representing, I'm not just representing what I want. I'm representing every hunter out there. Right. Right. So that's how I approach that
0: yeah so one of the one of the other reasons i wanted you know that's a kind of a little intro here into this this segment that i wanted to talk to you about and that is i am a whitetail hunter i don't Mm -hmm. i don't necessarily trap i i go out west you know i may hunt elk every once in a while i hunt mule deer every once in a while i don't trap i don't own hounds i don't do much predator hunting and i hear a story or see a story um you know, back in the day, now I pay a little bit more attention to it. But back in the day, I see a, oh, uh, you know, predator hunting with dogs is going to be banned. Yeah, Well, mm-hmm. that doesn't affect me. It doesn't matter. And I'm bringing you on to talk about this because as equally passionate as I am about whitetails and big game and bow hunting, you are passionate with the hound hunting, the predator hunting, the coon hunting. And it seems like right now. Throughout the entire nation, a lot of that is in jeopardy. Why do you think right now that there is a huge push to get things like uh, hunting with dogs and predator hunting and even coon hunting banned in certain states?
1: Yeah. It, you know, it's happening right now, but it's, it was strategized years ago. These, these animal rights activists are very strategic. They're well-organized, well-funded. Nothing happens in their community that is just by happenstance or reaction. So they've been, they've been planning this for years. They take Arizona, for instance, Arizona went through a ballot initiative in 2018 to stop mountain lion hunting. They already had fail safe plans in place if that failed. And that, is what's happening in Arizona. Now, uh, Arizona, it's not that there's a bill. It's not that there's a proposed rule change. What they're doing is trying to take advantage of the public opinion process down there to flood Arizona game and fish with comments and, and pressure to make rules to outline lion hunting. So it's not, it's not happenstance. They, they have wanted do this and they've known they were going to do this for a number of years when we look at at why it's happening now it's because the the hound hunting community by and large is unorganized um we and i i can't even limit to the hound hunting community i would say the same thing about the deer hunting community um vastly disorganized to be able to stand up to this sort of thing alone. And, and we're not as well-funded, uh, you know, things like that. So for hound hunting specifically, it is a low-hanging fruit. Um, it is a deal where we've lost control of the narrative. Uh, we have done things to make, make ourselves easy targets for them through social media posts and different things. It can be easily sensationalized. It can be taken out of context. And there's a major lack of understanding, not only with the anti-hunting crowd, but even with the deer hunting, elk hunting crowd. You know, they don't understand the value of the wildlife management that goes into that. They don't look at it from the 30,000 foot view and realize that if we don't keep predators in check, then it's going to affect your elk hunt. It is going to affect your northern rim trophy mule deer hunt. It's going to affect your big big bighorn sheep hunt. It will affect that. And that is partially our fault uh, for not, you know, I'd much rather be out running my hounds than than making social media posts or, or, you know, going to a Whitetails Unlimited banquet or whatever. It's hard enough to get get houndsmen to a, a hound hunting banquet. Um, so, I mean, there's just a lot of things or show up at public meetings. You know, there's a lot of things that, that we have failed to do and we've, we're trying to regain our voice as a credible management practice that conforms to the North American model for wildlife conservation. Yeah.
0: So, so when, when we, so I saw this the other day, like these houndsmen and predator hunters um, actually have a vested interest in continuing this along with some of these other state landowners, like ranchers, where Mm -hmm. a coyote problem or, I mean, in some states, maybe even a bear problem or a wolf problem or, um, I don't know, even... I don't know if Bobcats and I'm sure when overpopulated Bobcats and foxes can also be a problem, but
1: Bobcats can absolutely hammer, hammer the sheep herders, you know, the sheep ranches yeah. on the, so that they are legitimate predator on the landscape.
0: Yeah. So what does that conversation look like where in the past, maybe it was, Hey, the houndsmen and the predator hunters are saying, Hey, we need to keep predator hunting and the ranchers are also saying, Hey, we need to continue to predator hunt. Has there been a, uh, like a handshake between these two groups of people and, and what did that handshake look like to say, Hey man, we, we have a, a vested interest in this. Maybe we should work together.
1: I think the best example that we can look on, look to on that Dan is what's happening in Colorado with uh SB 22031 um uh, that is a bill that was introduced into the Senate and went to the Ag and Natural Resources Committee out there um but it's basically a bill that that wants to stop all lion bobcat and Canadian lynx hunting which is ludicrous in my mind because lo- Canadian lynx are already on the North American endangered or the the endangered species list yeah um You can't hunt them in the, in, in the United States, lower 48 anyway. So why add it? But at any rate, what has happened with that is the ranchers have come out and said, uh, uh, no. And, and the thing that most people don't, they miss, um, you know, these, these hunters, they all have jobs. I know houndsmen that are ranch managers. I know houndsmen that are ranch owners. And what we have done by showcasing this, you know, we, we've reached out to groups like protect the harvest, which is a farm and ranching animal. Uh, they fight the animal rights, the yeah. animal rights movement every day. We have to look for friends wherever we can find them. Yeah. And, um, we don't always have to agree on everything. You know, um, we don't always have to agree on the finer points, but we have to agree on the big things and find friends where we can find them right now.
0: Yeah. So let's just say uh, a law like that gets passed. okay? and there's no more mountain lion hunting. There's no more bobcat hunting. The bobcats and the mountain lions obviously have no predators other than man for the most part and they start to populate and get bigger and they put a a hurting on Mm -hmm. not only the elk and mule deer and and uh wildlife there but also you know that's gonna overflow onto ranches um what's in your opinion what is bad because i've talked to several ranchers that they don't give a shit what the law is if it's threatening their livestock they're gonna shoot it and then it won't get reported Right. Mm-hmm. So what's the danger with passing a, a, a one one broad stroke rule like this?
1: Uh, the danger is obviously there's a there's a lot of impacts that this could have. It could it could impact uh, the financial situation, the economy with the, the farming and ranching community with unchecked predators um, for the hunting community. Uh, speaking specifically to Colorado you you have an unchecked predator population on the landscape, and they are going to go after what's easy. So then your your calf mortality mor- mortality rates are going up in in your elk herd. Your fawns, you know, all those things are going to suffer. So when there's no more um, attraction for a person to go to Colorado to hunt then your license sales go down. License sales go down, Pittman-Robertson dollars drop. When Pittman-Robertson dollars drop, then your education programs, your habitat management, your law enforcement, all of those different things that make wildlife management possible are going to cease to exist. Yeah. Um, and then when you look at you know, the direct impact on um, the taxpayer, back to the taxpayer, California is killing more lions now paid for by the California taxpayer to pay a professional hunter to go in there and, and take out human wildlife conflict situations than they ever did when they had a, a lion hunt. So the, the whole idea that we're going to ban lion hunting to protect lions is bullshit. It's ridiculous. I mean, it, it, it does not happen because like they're killing more lions now in California than they did when we were hunting them. Man. And and uh, that is a direct draw on the tax tax payer, <laughs> the, the fund.
0: What's crazy about that, and so I'm sorry to interrupt, but what's crazy about that, so now you have a person who maybe signed a petition or voted against mountain lion hunting in Colorado. Nope, I i, I don't think these animals should be hunting. I'm going to get behind this. And now they are directly paying For killing a mountain lion instead, their tax dollars that they are responsible for are going to that. And so now they are responsible for the death of one of those animals, which I'm sure they, if you told them that they're like, no, you know, no way that Mm -hmm. not me. But yes, that's, that's the truth now.
1: Yeah the the beautiful thing about managing wildlife these big predator large predators with hounds yeah and this is something that is often overlooked and m- misrepresented and misunderstood um is there is no other time to be able to effectively evaluate the animal that you're you're trying to manage than when you have it in a tree yeah you're standing there, you're looking at the, the cat. Most of these lions are up there taking a nap. Um, you know, they're very sleepy. You can walk around, you can evaluate, you can see if it's a male, you can see if it's a female. Um, you know, I've seen lions that you could tell that they didn't have any teeth when they when they opened their mouth and snarled at you. You can see all of that. So now you can make an official, informed decision as to whether or not that that is an animal that needs to be taken yeah. on the population. Yeah. And and most people don't understand that. Even in the hunting community they don't understand that. Yeah. And these people are being duped. I mean, that that think that they're saving mountain lions. The animal rights crowd spends a lot of money on advertising and like I said they over over dramatize it and sensationalize and take things out of context and they don't tell the whole story and they just lie about it. They don't, they, they'll skew numbers. We've seen that in Arizona, uh, every place that they've been, they, they lie about it.
0: Yeah, man. And and I'll tell you this, man, it is, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's crazy how this all, how this, how, how it all works. And, Mm -hmm. um, so now let's talk a little bit about someone like you, right? Um, let's, let's say dollar, you know, dollar for dollar. Predator hunting is probably doesn't bring in the, the revenue that whitetail hunting does. Okay. Um, there's a lot of costs associated with whitetail hunting. And if I, if I remember correctly, it is the most hunted big game animal in north america and it draws the most money all right so all this whether it's you know whether your answer to this question is financial um a lot of people are going to listen to this and they're going to say well yeah i don't know man i understand what they're coming from but still it hasn't influenced me enough to do anything Mm -hmm. right now the states that you actually go and hunt in there's there's you know are in jeopardy in jeopardy of losing the hunts that you love to go do what Mm -hmm. is your message to me and to the rest of the whitetail hunters out there saying dude like we could use backup right now
1: yeah i I couldn't agree more with you about you know the financial impact that that deer hunting has Uh, the most recent numbers i've seen are 9.1 million hunters in the United States, out of that, 8 million of those identify as white-tailed deer hunters. Uh, and then we don't even know how many houndsmen are. There's only like 3 million, 3 million um, people who classify themselves as small game hunters, and we take up a small segment. So I commonly tell houndsmen that, you know, if we just look inside of our own audience and expect for us to be able to save this thing by ourselves we can't even hardly fill up a a professional football stadium with our numbers we're a decimal point on a percentage and the time for us to find those allies is important now how does that affect deer hunting well because the animal rights crowd is they're not going to be satisfied with just taking the hounds off the landscape you know we're already seeing trail cameras being taken out of the picture in Utah and Arizona. So they're they're starting to attack technology in other forms of hunting. You know Are you going to be able to use an illuminated uh, sight on your bow? Are you going to be able to use um, uh, a thermal imager to hunt hogs? Are you going to be able to um, use a telescopic lens? Are you going to be able to use a predator call? Where does it stop? Yeah, you know, the hound is just one method of a bigger culture and that's the hunting culture. It's just an approved method. And when they get that method taken care of, they're coming after another one. You know, this isn't about hunting. This is about a a global initiative to rewild. And it's an official name. I've seen hunters even celebrate that term. It's not a good thing. It's to urbanize the human population and put the landscape back out in and let it manage itself. Yeah. So we can't afford. We can't afford any hunting segment to sit back and think that this doesn't affect them. That's like. Uh, that's like, you know, paying paying your light bill next month and and hoping that your electricity never gets shut off. You know, uh, or or thinking you can skip this month and 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 pay two payments next month and yeah. and hope your electricity doesn't get shut. It's not going to work. Yeah.
0: Is it even re- like? I just, the term man's best friend is a dog from, from, Mm -hmm. you know, from the segment that you, that you, you know, you're a houndsman, coon hunting, predator hunting. Is it even about the dog or is it about the, the predator? Like they don't want the, they don't want the animal to die, obviously, but is it even about your dog at all? You mean what drives, what drives us to hunt? No. What drives these people to stop you from hunting?
1: Um, they use, they use the hound. Yeah. They will, they will try to say that, uh, the hound is in danger that the, the overarching goal of human or animal rights, animal rights people is to stop the ownership of animals. They akin that, whether it's a horse, a donkey, a goat, a cow, a dog, you know, they akin that to human slavery and yeah. they, they paint it like that. Yeah. So part of it is about the dog but a lot of it is about a lot bigger. It's about, it's about generating dollars so that this, this conscientious and caring organization that cares about your dog, you know, it's, it's so that they can make money and pay CEOs million dollar paychecks salaries every year. That's what it's about.
0: Yeah. And, and they, they'll scream it from the mountaintops, until and I've seen the security footage a mountain lion jumps into their backyard rips a doberman pincher off the chain and jumps back over the wall to go eat it <laughs> you know yes. like or like um they don't want away with wolves yeah they don't want to see they don't want to see deer get hunted until it starts destroying their land their hundred thousand dollar landscaping and eating their precious flowers then there's exactly. an issue with it Right.
1: You know the the thing that people this is another uh, term. You know, is predator shields Deer aren't dumb. I yeah. mean, they're not the they're not the brightest animals on the landscape, but they're no dummies. Yeah, for sure. If they were, then we would all have one eight hundred and eighty inch bucks on the wall. <laughs> right. Right. But but. Deer learn, they're conditioned to learn that when they move into a suburban area, they can use those places as predator shields yep. and the predators don't come to town as often. Right. So when the hunting pressure gets up, the predator numbers get out of whack, they actually move in and now it is affecting someone that's that's losing a $100,000 worth of landscape. And then on top of that, like the situation you just described is now the predators have figured out where the deer are and now they're coming to town and they really don't like that. Yeah.
0: And then we have that's when we start to see the the human predator interactions. Yep. 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 For sure. So I you know, we we've kind of I I don't want to go too detailed in this conversation. I just want you to tell us like what we need to take action. What kind, of, what kind of steps do the deer hunters need to take? What kind of steps do the houndsmen need to take? What kind of steps do the predator hunting um, uh, crowd need to take in order to not only just slow this down, but let the, you know, our representatives know that, listen, man, we're not going to tolerate this anymore. I'm not giving up hunting. What, you know, what are, what should we do about this?
1: The first thing we have to do is we have to break down this tribalism within our hunting community. Yes. You know, we are, I come from a large family. I've got five brothers and, you know, and a sister. And, um, we don't all agree on everything, but if you threaten my brother, I'm going to be there. Yeah. And and (laughs) we've got to take that same attitude, mindset into this thing is the way that you hunt deer I've I've deer hunted my whole life I've sat in tree stands I've I've killed deer with traditional archery equipment to compound bows the only thing I haven't killed a deer with in Indiana is is a crossbow and um, just because I didn't want to spend the money on a crossbow not that I've got a thing against it I know that the passion that, that I have for that is transferable. The feelings, the same feelings are in both places. Yeah. And it's, it's about that, that deep passion for wildlife management and preserving our lifestyle and living free. You know, that's really what it boils down to is being, being able to live a free life, put, put real food in my freezer and and things like that so the first thing we have to do is break down the tribalism and you said you didn't want to go you you made a mistake when you said you didn't want to go into too much detail (laughs) i'm sorry no it's good it's all good um the next thing we uh, need to do is we need to pay attention i see i see so many people who spend so much time on their own instagram profiles and building their followers and all this other stuff uh they're so busy doing that and it gives us a great representation. There's awesome people out there that are on on social media that are representing us very well. But we need to pay attention to what's going on right now all across the United States and and hone our skills. This is the I made a comment the other day. We need to we need to work on our black belts for for verbal ju- judo and um, and really know how to represent hunting. And then how we contact, how we get involved. The anti-hunting crowd knows more about how laws and fish and wildlife rules are made than the hunting crowd does. Right. And we've got to get we've got to get ahead of that. Yeah. There's we've got to get ahead of that.
0: Yeah. One thing that really frustrates me, and you nailed it right on the head, um, is people who have the voice they have the platform they have the large social media followings they have the the television shows and they have the uh the voice i said like i said but aren't doing anything that is probably my biggest pet peeve when it comes to the hunting community because right now things that they are even doing like you know, like there's a picture of a guy, he goes to Utah or he goes to out West. He goes on a mountain lion hunt and for his television show or his web show is successful uses hounds, but then isn't mentioning one word about anything that's going on out there. Mm-hmm. And he's profiting from, you know, obviously he's in indirectly, but he's profiting from this. Right. And that right there, frustrates me because I feel like one of the reasons that I'm doing this right now is because I feel it is my responsibility to do this, to back my brother up, you, who I I may, you know, whether I do or do not ever go on a hound hunt or a predator hunt in in my life, I still want to see other people do it because it brings them the same passion that whitetail hunting brings me. So I want to, I want to be able to support, I want to be able to support that guy. So, mm-hmm. so like what, what is the message maybe that you would say to, to those people?
1: That's such a tough, it's such a tough thing to address. Yeah. Um, you know, there was recently uh, some chatter going on on social media about where are the hunting industry leaders the big companies in the hunting industry on these anti-hunting bills that are circulating all across the west you know why isn't the big name company coming out and making a a statement from their company uh, denouncing this sort of thing and throwing their support behind it well this is this is uh, conversations I've had I've asked the same questions why don't you get more involved The, the truth of the matter is they are involved. They're involved at a level that the individual hunter probably never will be. They pay millions of dollars into the Pittman-Robertson Fund. Uh, they they donate money to non-charitables, NGO, non-governmental organizations that fight for their hunting. They are making a backpack, or they're making a pair of pants, or they're making a pair of boots for you. They don't have the legal staff to engage in that sort of stuff. So, But they, they will put their money into an uh, an NGO a lot more than my membership is every year. I can yeah. tell you that, you know, that, that's going, that does have that staff that can keep their eye on the ball, man, right now in American business, it's tough. You know, it, we're looking at supply chain issues and all this other stuff. And I think it's all by, you know, it's, it's, well, I'm not even going to go down that road, but it's tough out there in the business world, but they haven't stopped supporting things like Safari club international, <laughs> um sportsman's alliance hunter nation all these groups that are set up to do that and and they give freely their money as much as they possibly can so when we see people uh that that aren't coming out and and doing that i don't think we see a lot of the things that go on behind the
0: scenes yeah yeah you're you're probably right um it's just what really sucks is For me, and I'm taking this frustrated too. I do. What really sucks for me is the this is a social media world, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're not doing something on social media, then you're not doing it, right? Right. So uh, I think a lot of people get frustrated, especially when they're passionate like we are. If we're not seeing a major brand or an individual post something about this and share information about this, then they're not doing it. And I, it, to me, I just feel like it's part of business. Now you should be doing it.
1: Right. And that's, I've, I've suffered, yeah. you know, by being so proactive about this stuff. I wish I never had to produce another podcast that talked about, uh, freedoms being taken away somewhere yeah. by animal extremists. Yeah. I wish I never had to do another one. But if we don't talk about it, who is going to talk about it? Who Absolutely. is going to be that voice for them? And and I've watched downloads go down, and I've seen ratings drop, and I I see it. You know what? I don't care. Yes. It's uh, I'm going to keep on doing what I need to be doing, yep. and and putting it out there. Yep. But yes, it's extremely frustrating, and we wonder we wonder why we. It would be so easy for for one of these major companies just to say, "Hey, support Hunter Nation," or you know, whatever it is, yeah. Sportsman's Alliance, whatever. Yeah. Uh, some NGO that's going to fight for your freedom. Absolutely.
0: Them. Absolutely. Yep. And uh, like you know, you mentioned a couple things there, but that's why you're on this network, man. And uh, to anybody who is listening right now. Like even if you're not a houndsman, I understand this guy. You know, uh, Chris talks a lot on his po- the Houndsman XP podcast about hound hunting and coon hunting and, and all that stuff. But there's also a ton of other information that he shares on uh, on, on his podcast, and I strongly recommend going and in, in listening to it, taste it. You know what I mean? Give it a give it a little taste. Maybe it's for you, maybe it's not. But it's not a hundred percent about hound hunting all the time. He brings up topics like this. He has very good conversations with people who are fighting for your rights every single day, and uh, I appreciate that, like I said, and that's why I wanted to give you the title of the the guy who guards the <laughs> gate uh, for the network here and, and because there's yeah. a lot of time where you bring stuff to my attention and then i need to i want to blow it up so uh, i appreciate it yeah chris man i really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and educate us today um
1: yeah i I just i just like to close real quick dan and say you know come on over and check out houndsman xp podcast we have got to start talking you know we always hear this term talking across the aisle we've got to establish this dialogue among the hunting community i there was not a hound hunting podcast out there before we started Houndsman XP. Yep. And I listened to tons of podcasts. I still do that don't have anything to do with hounds. And I do that so that I can develop the narrative that I need to be able to represent hunting in the right way. Absolutely. And and Houndsman XP could be a tool for that.
0: For Absolutely. You. Absolutely. Chris, man, well, uh, I appreciate everything that you do. And uh, I guess we'll talk to you when we talk to you.
1: Thanks for the opportunity, Dan. Stay safe.